Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. Happy to be with you, everybody. We're going to be changing things up a little bit, flipping the script, as they say. I'll be flying solo for a few episodes as we kind of reformat catechesis, um, not only looking to expand our guest pool, but also to allow myself a little more airtime, as it were, and share my own thoughts uh, on things related to catechesis and evangelization. So in a specific way, I'd really like to take an opportunity with this episode to plug what Sadlier is doing uh, with its wonderful masterclass this year called Rediscovering the Eucharist, Challenges and Opportunities for Renewal that is happening May 17th through 19th from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's May 17th through 19th from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, This is a wonderful opportunity for anybody in ministry to plug in, and particularly catechists, catechetical leaders, teachers of religion, to come online and not only hear some wonderful uh, teachings about the Eucharist and how to teach about the Eucharist, but also how to accompany people towards Eucharistic communion, towards a deeper faith, in Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, how to incorporate beauty and personal testimony in Eucharistic catechesis. It's going to be an awesome three-day workshop series. Um, not only will I be presenting, but the big the big gun, so to speak, is our Bishop Andrew Cousins, a wonderful friend of Sadlier, and we're so happy to have him uh, kicking off our, our series. He'll be speaking on the first night, that's May 17th, and he's going to be unpacking the USCCB document uh, the mystery of the Eucharist, uh, and the life of the church. And you just won't want to miss any of those three days. Uh, we do have some awesome downloads for you during the workshop, things that'll help you uh, to catechize and be prepared to teach about Eucharist and feel a little more confident doing so. So that, once again, that's just a wonderful opportunity from Sadler for, for people in ministry, particularly catechists, catechetical leaders, teachers of religion, Uh, Come to our Masterclass series, Rediscovering the Eucharist, Challenges and Opportunities for Renewal, again, May 17th through 19th from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time zone. All right, now that we got that sort of out of the way, that important plug, uh, what I'd like to do is just sort of set the stage for that workshop. Um, And I want to do that in a few ways. One, to talk about what are people saying about the Eucharist? What do people believe? Uh, What is the church doing about the lack of belief in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And then what is Sadlier, what is Sadlier doing about it? So we'll kind of revisit the, uh, the theme of the workshop series at the end of this episode, but let's just dive into it. Again, it's just me flying solo today. Uh, so it's going to be a little different platform. We'll have a shorter episode, uh, probably only be about 15 minutes long, but glad to have your ears for those 15 minutes. So let's take our first topic. So we're doing this workshop series at Sadlier on the Eucharist, but before that, we have a much larger umbrella landscape of the church working um, to revive people's belief and love in the Eucharist, 
Um, there's a wonderful website the USCCB put together called eucharisticrevival.org. Do check it out. It's got some pretty cool videos, uh, some of them featuring Bishop Andrew Cousins, which, who will be on our workshop series that first night. That's May 17th. Um, but why are we even doing all of this? Why is the church, uh, especially at the, the USCCB level, going to lengths to draw attention to the need for uh, greater faith, greater devotion in the Eucharist? What sort of precipitated all this? And then what are we doing about it? So uh, I think to set the stage, it's fair to say that there's a lot of um, faith-related and, and social uh, cultural related things that feed into a, a growing sort of either lack of understanding or misunderstanding or disbelief in Catholic teaching about the Eucharist. And, in, and specifically that the Eucharist is not only a symbol of Jesus Christ, um, just like water is a symbol in baptism or oil is a symbol in confirmation, but in fact that bread and that wine do become Jesus, body and blood, soul and divinity. A great Scrabble word to describe that mystery is transubstantiation. That's got to be at least a triple word score. But transubstantiation, um, that, that teaching was a, a definitive one that, and actually a, a line in the sand, if you will, uh, during the Protestant Reformation. It's one of those teachings that the Catholics were, weren't going to budge on and other emerging Protestant denominations uh, had to make decisions about whether they believed in it or not. Um, of course, to buy into the Eucharist as the church believes it requires priests and, and holy orders and other things go along with that, that uh, emerging Protestant denominations weren't necessarily believing in or wanting to do in the exact same way uh, or wanting, wanting to start their own traditions of, of worship and their own traditions of, of ordination. So this is a this isn't a recent issue. Um, this isn't a recent sort of uh, phenomenon of uh, what you know people not understanding what the church teaches or not agreeing with what the church teaches about transubstantiation. Uh, it's at least five hundred years old. But when we can make a case that it goes back even further with earlier church councils and how they defined uh, uh, the presence of Christ uh, in the Eucharist. But anyway. So what are people now believing uh, about the Eucharist? What are Catholics saying? And, and how many of them are not believing in transubstantiation? Well, kind of at, at the forefront of all this is a study done by Pew uh, back in 2019, uh, or we say PC, right? Pre-COVID, <laughs> um, kind of like we used to have BC, but uh, uh, pre-COVID. So we, had, we did this survey, or, or Pew had the survey out there that um, asked uh, Catholics, you know, what do you believe about the Eucharist? And the results were that uh, many did not necessarily believe or understand the Eucharist to be the real presence, that it, that the bread and wine were in fact the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, more that it was a symbol. Uh, and so that raised a lot of eyebrows and especially Episcopal eyebrows, meaning the bishops uh, I'm sure they started to ask themselves what's going on, particularly when it was something like two thirds of respondees uh, offering that response of disbelief or inaccurate belief. Uh, so then, you know, the question has to be asked, well, what are we doing wrong? Uh, how, what are we not saying correctly? Or how are we not catechizing correctly? Or how, how is this happening? I think is the major response and question there. And I think we have to be like, you know, put things into perspective too, that this is one survey, granted a national survey, but it was one survey, but it, it, it had, 
it created enough concern that the bishops then decided to to rally and put together what they're calling the Eucharistic Revival Initiative. And that takes you to, you know, the um, URL I mentioned at the outset, eucharisticrevival.org. If you go there, uh, you'll not only see Bishop Cousins, again, who's going to be our guest teacher for the first night of our workshop series in May, but you'll also see there a number of videos and, and a timeline explaining what's going to happen during this revival. And it's actually scheduled out for three years. And there are different events for different levels of church, the national, diocesan, parish. Um, there'll be forthcoming resources that dioceses and parishes can implement uh, to, to draw attention not only to the revival, but to bring people back to the love of Christ and the Eucharist, of course. So um, that's really what happened. And that this kind of a scale of response, right, a national response with this revival shows you how serious the bishops uh uh, took the data from the Pew survey. Uh, now you could say also that maybe there's just a general concern about the decline of catechesis, and that concern has been voiced uh, almost annually, um, you know, by by heavy hitters in the church, bishops and otherwise, um, who just have been very vocal about um, either the lack of proper catechesis or not sharing, not teaching all, everything about the faith or, you know, sort of selective catechesis or catechesis that's more affective and not enough attention to the intellectual dimensions, things like that. There's always something we can complain about and, and have, a, a, you know, reason or cause to complain. So that's there too. But uh, the reality is, um, I, I think there's two things happening here with the survey. I, I think one, if you go back to the survey itself and look at the question, uh, how it was posed, to whom it was posed, um, it might not be so shocking or surprising the, the diversity of responses. And of course, you'd like to see more, <laughs> more um, unified responses in the in the affirmative. Yes, we believe that this is the real presence and, and transubstantiation, and this is not just a symbol. But on the other hand. You know, those who might have responded that way, it doesn't mean that they have any less belief uh, or faith that that uh, Christ is somehow working through this Eucharist. Uh, we do want to uh, refine that faith. We want to bring it to its fullness uh, so that the fullness of the fruit of that belief can be achieved. So that's that goes without saying. However, let's not get it in our heads that because we don't, some folks might not quite understand the Catholic teaching in the in the fullness of its meaning. It doesn't mean that they are not well-meaning, well-intentioned. Uh, it does not mean that they're not uh, faithful themselves and so forth. So we don't want to, to start characterizing people based on what they know or don't know, etc. Uh, this is all about love and all about coming back to Christ with greater love and to receive his great love for us, which really brings me to my next topic. So what's the church doing about it? I mentioned the revival at the national level. You're probably hearing in, in your dioceses when you discuss the synod, the upcoming synod, the synod preparation and I think preparation for Eucharistic revival are have already begun to dovetail in many places. Uh, and if they haven't, they will soon because it just makes sense that the Eucharist is the source and summon of the church's life, right? And of our faith. And so uh, to, to grow in that understanding and belief and to do it in a, in a 
concerted way where we're all working together is naturally going to fit whatever strategies and tactics are employed for creating greater synodality in the church. And uh, we certainly need that sort of how do we journey together uh, better? How do we listen to each other better? How do we forgive and reconcile with each other better? And how do we um, sort of co-lead better? Uh, And it's, um, uh, that co-lead reminds me of co-workers in the vineyard, that wonderful USCCB document from 2005, which really re-emerged in the last few years in light of Francis's um, episcopus or Francis's papacy, but also um, with regards to the synodality process underway. But what else? What else is the church doing about it? I think I think we need to have a real. God's eye view of the situation, like, like not just 30,000 foot, we really need the whole picture here. So if we're talking about re-engaging people in belief about the Eucharist, and if the Eucharist is not only Jesus really present, right, but what does the Eucharist call us to? What is that real presence demanding from us and trying to transform and create within us? It's trying to create uh, these hearts, these as from Ezekiel, right? These fleshy hearts, these pure hearts, Matthew 5, 8, the pure of heart shall see God. The, the Eucharist is trying to increase that charity, that love of God and love of neighbor in us. But we also know that we can only love God and our neighbor as much as we love ourselves, right? That's love your neighbor as yourself, not don't like yourself, but love your neighbor or don't like your neighbor, but love yourself, those two loves go together. And that's all uh, the reason being is the Eucharist points us to this communion of love, the origin of which is the Holy Trinity. And we're trying to reflect that in, in a uh, analogous way in the church, uh, you know, the church everywhere, uh, all over the world, sort of trying to represent this human community of love. So if we're talking about coming back to the Eucharist and re-engaging people with the Eucharist and and catechizing about the Eucharist, we have to start with charity. We have to start with love and how that love manifests or is not manifesting in the church. Uh, We've just come through, this feels like forever, but years and years of public scandal uh, coming to light, scandals that took place in earlier uh, decades, but then we've had recent scandals as well. Um, all of that overshadows and clouds the the many loving hearts in the church and the many loving things that the church does uh, to care for the poor, to care for the disenfranchised, um, to to care to to bring Jesus's love into places that that are in desperate need of it through education and hospitals and mental health care and, and refugee and migrant assistance and on and on down the line. There's just no other charitable organization that's done as much for as long as the Catholic Church. There's no argument there. That's just a fact. Um, part of the reason for that fact is just the church has been around the longest, but it's also because it's orientated to love. So to get people back to the Eucharist, what are those places that still eclipse love in the church? Where, where are those shadows still lingering? Where do we need to cast them off? Uh, is, it, is, it in, is it at the parish level, how people are welcomed, how they're treated or not welcomed and treated? Which leads me to the topic of accompaniment. How are we accompanying people at the different levels of church life, like um, nationally, diocesan, parish, et cetera. How are we being that representative of Jesus who loves us in all of those spaces? And it, it, what we're doing to signal that love to others, is it clear? Is it being received? Are we messaging that love, if you will, kind of 
from a marketing angle? Are we messaging well? Uh, is the brand awareness there? Uh, uh, the, the kind of awareness that we want. So this topic of accompaniment is going to be a huge topic for the second night of our Sadlier workshop series, by the way, because again, this isn't just about, well, we haven't talked about transubstantiation enough. That's not necessarily the solution. I think the solution is, is multifaceted and it begins with how we show love because the Eucharist calls us to love. We go back to Holy Thursday and the wonderful gospel for that uh, holy night. And we not only have the celebration of the Last Supper, but we have John the Evangelist connecting that celebration with Jesus's service, his washing of the feet of his disciples. And, and that, that connection between charity service and Eucharist is so poignant and so strong and so rich. And when we don't, when we lose that connection, we actually lose some of that meaning of what Eucharist is all about. And it's, it's not just about our singular devotion or individual devotion to Jesus Christ. It's about our love for our, those around us, our neighbor. And in the case of worship, it's other Catholics. In the case of living, it's humanity. Uh, how, are we, how are we loving them? And Francis' papacy has been all about how do we make that love uh, for our brothers and sisters everywhere more manifest? How do we uh, mitigate structures in the church that keep... Uh, uh, love from shining forth, you know, where do we need to polish the stained glass a little bit to let the light through a little more brilliantly. Uh, so that's something that we really need to work out as accompaniment at all levels. Again, a great topic for synodality, you know, how do we, how do we really journey with each other? Finally, you know, what, what are we doing about this uh, here at Sadlier? Uh, I mentioned the workshop series, um, which I'm super excited about, Rediscovering the Eucharist Challenges and Opportunities for Renewal. Again, May 17th through 19th from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. we got Bishop Andrew Cousins on that first night. It's going to be excellent. Um, what else are we doing at Sadlier? Well, I, I definitely think that all of our uh, Basil series, and I'll call out Christ in us and Cristo in nosotros, that I would say they're very Eucharistic focused. And by that, I mean, not only in the depth and richness of teaching about the Eucharist and other digital resources that bring all that out and enhance that learning. Uh, I also think that the curricula is very focused on love of neighbor and making the connections across the board between how we worship, how we pray, what we believe and our love for the neighbor, just like the, if the catechism does, right? One of the greatest gifts in the catechism, whole sidebar here, is the index. And I, I don't mean like in the very back, I mean in the margins, uh, how you see, for example, in the first pillar, which is on the creed, it'll show you it, it on the side or in the margins, how particular teachings connect with teachings from other pillars. How, for example, the belief in the Trinity connects with our life of worship and prayer and morality. Uh, I really do think, for example, Sadlier's Basil series, Christ in Us, Christo in Us, does that so well. It's a spiral program. And part of the blessing, if you will, of a spiral is that that view, holistic view of the curriculum, which uh, doesn't take things as individual themes, but looks at the big picture and says, how, does, how do these particular teachings all fit together and how do we grow deeper in them uh, as we grow older and gain more experience? So I, I think that that's one way that Sadlier is really contributing to this Eucharistic revival, which we, we do need. And, and regardless of the Pew survey, I think it's something we can always grow in, our devotion and understanding of Christ in the Eucharist and our call, the response to the call 
that he's given us to love our neighbor, which flows out of that worship of Eucharist. Um, other things that Sadlier is doing, though, I, I want to mention other Chattachesis episodes. We've got episode 22, which is with Bishop Cousins, which is on Eucharistic revival. And we have episode 18, which looks at how um, Bishop Scharfenberger in Albany, New York, is trying to bring some revival to the Eucharist. Uh, we do have a couple of resources, too, that I'll attach at, um, that you'll see when you go to click on this episode. So I just like the fact that I work for this company that tries to keep the Eucharist at the forefront and, uh, and is, is moving in step uh, with where the church is moving and trying to minister to people. And in this case, trying to raise attention, raise greater understanding and ultimately greater commitment to living as a Eucharistic church, a church that loves its neighbor as itself. So that's the end of this episode. Uh, it's been wonderful to talk to myself and stare at a laptop as I do it. <laughs> no, it's just been tremendous. Uh, we're going to have a few more episodes like this as we continue to uh, identify guests for the show. But um, this, this, I hope, has given you a sense of why we're, in the, we're doing a, a Eucharistic revival uh, workshop series, why the church is focusing on Eucharistic revival, um, and and what the church has been doing about it. So I want to thank myself. I've been a tremendous guest and you have been great listeners. Uh, and as we always do at the end, it's a tradition on Chattachesis. Uh, we ask the guests, which is now me, to offer a blessing. So I will be happy to do that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, thank you for the gift of this, of this podcast, first of all, to share your love, your word, uh, the church's teachings, uh, the church's love uh, for humanity with our listeners. Um, thank you for the great gift of the Eucharist, which is more important than, than the laws of uh, physical laws of the universe, uh, if you were to ask me or ask some of the church fathers. Um, we, we need the Eucharist so much, and it is such a blessing that it is celebrated every day. And because of the time zones around the world, probably celebrated every single hour of the day uh, in this world. Um, so let it continue to be a ray of light and of hope as we celebrate the Eucharist and receive the Eucharist. And may that ray of hope shine through us more brilliantly as we grow deeper in our understanding and love for Jesus in the Eucharist. That's all. Have a great day. See you for another episode of Chattachesis. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Christo and Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.